All right. I always like to have a little something to, for a demonstration. And the only thing I came up with this time was, can you all see this? Flower, a flower packet, right? And this one is a butterfly wildflower mix. Aren't those all pretty flowers on there? Can you all see those? Okay, so now if I open this up and I spread all the seeds out to you, give everybody a different seed, who could tell me which flower <laughs> that might be? I had two peaches and I was gonna eat one and bring the other one because everybody knows what a peach seed looks like, right? But the one that I opened, it crumbled. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess I won't use that one. <laughs> but the seed, we have the seed of God. We have the word of God living in each one of us, right? I was thinking about all the things that look like what they might be. Sweet corn, I thought about bringing a whole bag of sweet corn, but you all know pretty much what a kernel of corn looks like, right? I mean, we don't even have to be gardeners to know that one. But any gardener person, they would know what a tomato looks like. They would know what a bean looks like. But we have the Word of God in us. And we're all flowers, and we're all gonna bloom, right? All right. Okay, so when the pastors asked me to share, it was like, okay, Lord, I don't know, where are we going? <laughs> so I believe I heard the Lord. He said, our heritage. So that is the name of the ministry this morning. It's called Our Heritage. Let me see if that'll work. Hey, oh, that does work. How about that? Okay. Now, when I was thinking about our heritage, I was like, well, why isn't it, why didn't you say inheritance? Because when I was looking them up, they were pretty much the same. It meant possession. But I don't know about you guys, but when I think about it, to me, our heritage is who we are, right? My mama was Irish American, my daddy was German-American, and you put them together and voila, you have me. <laughs> but you know what? There's one thing that we all have that is the same, and that is Grandpa Adam and Grandma Eve, right? <laughs> Don't we all have that as our... <laughs> but oh, thank God, we have Jesus Christ, right? So when we are born again, we are born into his family, and we are made in his image, right? Okay, so 1 Peter 1, 2, 3. <laughs> Okay, and I chose the Passion Version for this one. It says, For through the eternal and living word of God, we have been born again. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of us. For how long? Forever, right? Forever. So, today, I thought we are gonna talk about our spiritual heritage. We're gonna talk about who we are and what we have. We're gonna talk that we are in Christ Jesus, that we have grace, that we have victory, that we have faith, that we're heirs, that we're co-heirs. We have the mind of Christ, we have love, we have liberty, we have righteousness, 
in the new covenant, right? All those things. We're going to hit a little bit on each one of those. So in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 48 and 49, I chose the New International Version for this one. It says, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So we are made in the image of God, right? I don't know if all these will be anything new today, but sometimes it's just we know it and then you read the scripture and you, you know, it's like an aha moment. So that's what I'm believing for all of us that we have revelation knowledge this morning, that the Holy Spirit is here and that it will encourage you this morning of who you are, what our identity is. So then also, in Romans 8:29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. I was thinking, you know, we're sons of God, and all of a sudden it was like, well, what about the daughters? And he's for us. He loves the daughters of Zion. But the reason that the sonship is so important is sonship is talking about maturity. And God wants us all to be mature in him because then we can share. Not that we can't share while we're young, but we just have more in us, the more understanding of who God is, that we can share others and that we're all growing and that we're helping one another to be more of who he is. Fred and I were strong. Where we used to go when we lived in a different state, we were strong in being the sons of God. We knew that. So in 1 John 3, 1, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Isn't that wonderful to know today in the world that we live in? When we're under the pressures of everyday living, that we are the children of God. In fact, we are sons of God. And that's what it says right there in Romans 8 and I chose the Amplified for this one. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Or you might say the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. God desires us, like I said, to be mature. And that way we can bring others to the light and to the life and the liberty in Christ Jesus. Okay, in Romans 8, 15 through 17, it says, The spirit that you have received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you have received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we all cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So if we are God's children, then we are what? We are heirs. It says we are co-heirs with Christ. That means that we're sharers. It says if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Everything that Jesus is, we are. That's our identity. Okay, so now I'm going to go back to Exodus. And I know this is Moses. The reason that I'm going back here is sometimes there's called the law of first mention. And so this is in Exodus 6, 
it's where it talks about heritage. And this, to me, was maybe a little bit more the possession. You know, when somebody dies, to me, you inherit things. But I just want to show you something here. So we're Exodus, and it was, I thought it was one, but it's actually two. It says, and God continues speaking to Moses, reassuring Moses, I am God. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the strong God. This is in the message. Just to let you know. It's a little bit different. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the strong God. But my name God, meaning the I am present God, I was not known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the country in which they lived as sojourners. But now I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians continue to enslave, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am God. I will bring you out from under the cruel, hard labor of Egypt. I will rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you, intervening with great acts of judgment. I'll take you as my own people, and I will be God to you. You will know that I am God, your God, who brings you out from under, he said this twice, under the cruel, hard labor of Egypt. I'll bring you into the land that I promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and give it to you as, and it says, your own country. But in the King James, that's where it says, I will give it to you as your heritage. And he says, I am God. Now in Hebrews 11, there's a scripture it says, the truth is they were yearning for and aspiring to a better and more desirable country that is a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So our heritage is we've been given a country, a spiritual country, but I also thought about America too. <laughs> you know, America, what a blessing. If, if you go back and read your history, I mean, how it came to be was a miracle. But God has provided us our own country. And it goes on right there. I thought this was so interesting. But when Moses delivered the message to the Israelites, they did not even hear him. They were that beaten down in the spirit by the harsh slave conditions. And this, I thought, be careful, be careful, be careful what you are listening to. Be careful of your diet every day, of what you're hearing. Because there's all kinds of intentions to separate us. But we want to hear the truth. We want the good news. We need to be careful what we are believing and that we are not snared by the, because we are snared by the words of our mouth, we need to be careful. And that last scripture there was, God said to Moses, go and speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he will release the Israelites from his land. And he did, of course. Now, I'm going to include this morning, let me see if that worked, a little audience participation. I wanted to show you this. This is the Young's Living Translation. And I only did this for verses 6 and 8, but I want to see if there's anything that you notice because the Young's literal is maybe a little bit closer to what was originally written than some of the other versions. Now, you will notice that I highlighted possession down there. 
So I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to ask you if you hear anything different than what I just read, okay? Because it's the same three verses where he was telling Moses, I will do this, I will do this, I'll do all these things. These are the same verses. This says, I am Jehovah, and I have brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian, and I have delivered you from their service, and I have redeemed you by a stretched out arm and by great judgments, and I have taken you to me for a people, and I have been to you for God, and you have known that I am Jehovah your God, who is bringing you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I have brought you into the land which I have lifted up my hand to give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I have given it to you for a possession, for I am Jehovah. Woo! Woohoo! Do you hear that? This is the Old Testament. And God is saying, I have. I love that. It's just not, you know, the New Testament. God has been God there all along. It wasn't just I will, but he said, I have already. He's telling Moses, tell the people, I have already done that. I just love that. I just love that because we're not under the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. But God has been God. He sees forth. What's it say in scripture? It says, we speak those things that are not as though they are. And some days that's easier than other days, you know, but we continue to speak God's word. We speak it into being. Now, I want you to know that Jesus said, it is finished. It is done. He said, I have brought, I have delivered, I have redeemed you. I've paid the price. It is done for you. You don't have to be perfect in your own self. You don't have to be perfect by your obedience or by your doings because Jesus is saying, my child, I, the Lord, am your perfection. I give you my perfection. Just receive it. You have liberty. So that was back in Exodus. So now let's go to... Isaiah. We're going to read verses 10 through 17, but I wanted to put 17 up here first. And in one of the versions that I was looking at, it was labeled the future city of Zion. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You know, this piece in Isaiah was written to Zion. Now, Zion is God's city. Zion can be God's people. And that includes you and me. Okay, so normally I'd read this 10 to 17, but this time I want you to get it again. And I love this version. This is the new King James Version because it has heritage and it has righteousness the way that's written in, in this version. It says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, what is that? What is our heritage? Okay, so now we're gonna go back to verse 10. And now I'm doing it in the NIV because it reads a little bit better. It says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you, my children, will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you and me. And then it goes on, afflicted city, you are lashed by storms and not comforted, but what? I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise. Woohoo! For all those who love turquoise. Your foundations will be lapis lazuli. That's a beautiful blue stone. It's got little gold flecks in it. I will make your battlements of what? Rubies? 
your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. They're just not the limestone ones. <laughs> you know, they're God's precious stones. And here, for you mamas and daddies, it says your, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In righteousness, you will be established. Tyranny will be what? It will be far from you. You have nothing to fear. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. And then it says, see, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. But no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. I love that. Okay, that's talking about Mount Zion, and it's talking about Jerusalem. And there's another scripture that says that the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. It's talking about grace. There's another example about mountains that there's the two mountains, the mountains of fear and the mountain of grace. And you can't stand on both mountains. <laughs> you know, there's no way. They're too far away. And what I'm talking about there is the mixture. And so many times some of us have had mixture in our lives. We've had the mixture of the Old Testament. But now we're learning, wait a minute, we're either over here or we're over here. Either Jesus has done the whole thing. We're coming at it from the finished work of Jesus. So, what is our heritage? Well, I have a few things. We are the people of the new covenant of grace through faith. It is by grace through faith. And this is Ephesians 2.8. It's through faith. And faith is what? We're believing again in Jesus. Sometimes, you know, it's my faith, but it's not my faith. And we'll see that here. It is my faith, but it isn't. I'll show it to you here in a little bit. Okay, we're going to go to John 1.14, first of all. And just establishing grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. For John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here it says grace and truth. It's kind of like when you butter toast, right? With butter and peanut butter. How can you ever get the butter and the peanut butter apart? Grace and truth are together. Grace is just as much Jesus as I am the way and the truth. He is the grace too. I want to make this point also. Did you see that? We have all received grace in place of grace. Have you ever been to the beach and you or see and you see the water coming and then there'll be another wave that comes over it and then another wave? You know, that's to me what the Lord is saying grace. The grace is coming to you, but there's more grace, more grace. His superabounding. Doesn't it say his superabounding grace? So can you hear the waters, <laughs> the waters of grace? Can you feel the peace? Can you just imagine it in your mind? Well, just imagine the grace of God coming down to each one of you in your situations. Thank you, Jesus. 
He supplies all of our needs. Going on to Titus. Titus says, talking a little bit more about grace and about errors. It says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appear, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become what? Here we go again, heirs. We are heirs. We are sharers. We're inheritors having the hope of eternal life. We have the new life. We have the new covenant. We are sharers with Jesus in all things. And then we're going to go to <laughs> Hebrews 8, 10 through 12. And this is the New International Version. We have the new covenant. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness and I will what? I will remember their sins. How long? No, no more. more. Ever. Ever. When Jesus died on the cross, he forgave our past, our present, our future sins. The blood washed away our sins. So the new covenant, it's not like in the old covenant, you know, the Holy Spirit would come and it would go. He's writing his laws and his minds. It's written on us. He lives in us. He's not coming and going like the Old Testament. He is in us. He is with us. Thank you, Father God. The next verse 13. It says, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, what that means is if we are the image of God, we have everything. He's given us everything. You know, as long as we keep speaking his word and agreeing with his word and agreeing with his grace, the old man is going to diminish. The old man, I mean, we know that it has gone away, but our traits, some of our traits that we don't like, that we've carried with us, many of us for a few years, and we really don't like that, but we keep our eyes on Jesus, it will soon disappear. Okay, that's God's promise to us. The first one is obsolete. It's outdated. This is different. We have the new covenant of his laws. The new covenant of his law is the law of love, the law of liberty, the law of faith. In Romans 8, it says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? Has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so again, what is the law of the spirit? It is the laws of love. It is the law of liberty. It is laws of faith. Galatians 2.20. Now, I chose here the passion. Oh my gosh, listen to this. My old identity. It says that in there. My old identity has been what? Co-crucified with the Messiah and what? No longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of Judy. 
I picked this one out, the faith of the Son of God. Jesus has given us, remember that little, we're going to get to it, that little mustard seed. He's given us everything. He's given us, it's not our obedience either. He's been obedience to the max for us because there's no way we could be 100% obedient. But he's given us faith. It says the faith of the Son of God who what? Who loves me and you so much that he gave himself for us and he dispenses his life into us. Hallelujah. It is not our faith. It's not necessarily our faith in, but it's the faith of God. It's really both of them. So that seed of faith, we have the seed of faith from God. So if we keep it in the ground, if we add a little sunshine of love, that size of the, maybe the rain of grace, speaking the word, and we will all grow into that beautiful flower that God intends us. Or maybe we are trees of righteousness, or maybe even a peach tree. Who knows? <laughs> a fig or a peach tree. Who knows? <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go to Matthew 17, verse 20. And this is the tree of life version. It says, I tell you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move for what? Nothing is impossible for you or all things are possible. How about that one? <laughs> Nothing is impossible. God is for us. He's not against us. It's true. Sometimes things take longer than what we want, but we keep hanging on to it. We keep speaking forth. God is faithful to his word. Okay, so we're going to move on to Romans 3.27. And this is the passion again. Do our works bring God's acceptance? No, not at all. It was not our works of keeping the law, but our faith in his finished work that makes us right with God. It's not our doing. Our faith in his finished work that makes us right with God. So, that all being said, what else do we get? <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. How about the mind of Christ? All right, 1 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. And this one I chose the Amplified, which the Amplified sometimes is really amplified, but in this one I want I wanted you all to hear this. But the spiritual man, that's what we all are. The spiritual man, what do we do? We try all things. We examine, we investigate, we inquire into, we question, we discern all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. But we can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide him and instruct him and give him knowledge? Oh, but we, we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and we what? We do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of the heart of God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. And... 2 Corinthians 3.18, I took it out of the Tree of Life version. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding, looking, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are what? We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, 
we're being transformed, it's by the mind of Christ. It's by believing, believing God's word, thinking and believing we are being made in the same image. With the mind of Christ, it is that right believing versus right doing. We don't have to do right. And what I mean by that is, you know, it used to be, at least for me, I was always doing right. You know, you're trying to do right. You're trying to do right. You're trying to do right. You're trying to be the best you can. And it's like, when will I ever get there? I'm, <laughs> You know, but with Jesus, when we look to him, he's already done it. It's not my doing anymore. I'm looking to him. I'm believing him. I'm listening to him. I'm walking by the spirit of God. I'm walking by the laws of love and liberty and faith. And I'm believing that I hear what God says. And when I hear what God says, then I'll get up and do and that leads right into the next one. We are people who are resting in the works of Jesus. Hebrews 4, verses 9. Okay, we're actually going for 9 and 10, but I got them in two different versions. Okay, verse 9 is the passion. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers. What? To experience. How do you experience rest? I mean, I used to, how do you do that? You know, because we just have our idea. We sit down in our chair, right? And, okay, God, I'm sitting in the chair. <laughs> I know something is wrong with this picture. <laughs> how can I not do anything? You know, we all want to go out there, especially if you're, uh, what do they call those, one of those A personalities. You want to run here, run there, do everything. And it's like, okay, God, I know uh, it's kind of hard to win people's souls if I'm sitting in the chair, <laughs> But it says we get to experience it, the rest of Jesus, resting in he has already done everything. Thank you, Jesus. But then what does it say in 10? For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. I have ceased, I have stopped my works as God did from his. God did it all, and then he rested, okay? But if I quit my work and believe in Jesus, I'm receiving, I'm taking, I'm taking hold of everything that you have done, Jesus. So we enter the rest from our works, our work at being perfect, our work at being sin-free. We are sin-free, though, because of the what? The blood of Jesus, right? He gave it on the cross. Let's not reject the power of what his blood has done for us. Let's accept that he has washed away all of our sins, past, present, and future. When we mess up, let us be conscious of the grace of God, Jesus, our Redeemer, conscious of the blood that sets us free, putting away from us, being conscious of our mistakes. You know, that's looking at ourselves, and it's going in that downward <laughs> You go down, it pulls us down into depression. If you look at yourself on any one day, but when we keep looking to Jesus, we're not going to give away to any condemnation or guilt. We're going to look to Jesus. The power of the devil was totally demolished and the blood has triumphed. We rest and we take all that Jesus has done for us and we look to grace. And the final thing that I'm going to share with you today is we have the victory. And this is 1 John 5, 4 and 5. It's out of Young's. Because everyone who is begotten of God 
does overcome the world. And this is the victory that did overcome the world, our faith. Now, who is he who is overcoming the world, if not he who is what? Believing. That's our faith. We're believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, not doing it. We're believing that he is, and he's already done it, the finished work. So we're complete. We all have the seed of God working in us. Maybe our flower isn't totally out in blossom, but it's getting there. We're growing. We're growing in the word of God. Thank you, Father God, for our heritage, Father God, of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are made in the image of Christ Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the seed of the living word to give us your righteousness, to give us your grace. Thank you, Father God, for faith victory. Thank you, Father God, for sound minds, that we have the mind of Christ, that we are heirs, that we are joint heirs, that we are co-heirs together with Jesus, and that we have a place, that we have a country, Father God, spiritually, and we do also thank you, Father God, for our country of America, Father God, that we have liberty and freedoms here, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for a heavenly place to live with you forever, Father God. Thank you for our heritage, for who we are in you, for our life is in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.